The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 24th chapter. On the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has arisen. Remember how he told you, while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, and Joanna, and Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them, who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. On the first day of the week at early dawn, Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James went to the tomb, searching for the body of the Lord Jesus. But they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. Instead, they found two dazzling angels, and so they surrendered. Today, if you'd like to visit the traditional spot of that surrender, head for the old city of Jerusalem. Cut in through the Jaffa Gate, walk a hundred yards, and turn left on David Street. Go up the shallow steps through the Arab souks, and then take another left on Christian Quarter Road. Veer right and follow the signs all the way to the end of the street, and then turn left into the courtyard of the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Inside that church, under a rotunda, you will find the chapel of the angel. And under that, if you stoop down low like St. Peter, and go through a tiny doorway, you will find yourself inside a second chapel, lined with marble and filled with candles, with just enough room to kneel with a friend or two. Here, says tradition, lay the body of Jesus from Good Friday until Easter. When you go, you probably won't see angels, but I hope you do. When you go, you will not find the body of Jesus, unless there is a priest nearby saying Mass. But like these women, you will likely find yourself dazzled and then undone. And then it's best to do as they did. And Peter, too, to bow 
to stoop low, to go face down in complete surrender to our risen Lord Jesus. We live in a world that considers itself spiritual, even though it doesn't really like church or religion or even God very much anymore. But deep down, so many of the folks that we desperately love, our children, our family, our friends and colleagues and neighbors, they are still looking for something to satisfy their anxious hearts. So they go searching for spiritual things, for spirits, which explains the popular interest in everything from mantras and mediums to gurus and ghost changers and the tarot cards that pop up on my Twitter feed. But the Church of the Holy Sepulchre is a body and blood rebellion against our world's spirituality. It stands against the notion that we can search and we can find something to mend our broken hearts. Just inside the door, up 19 narrow, winding stone steps, is the traditional site of Golgotha, the spot where Jesus was nailed to the cross and then raised up to die for our sins. Nearby is an altar with a heartbreaking commemoration of St. Mary caressing her lifeless son. Back down the steps is the Stone of Unction, where it is said that Jesus' body was anointed after it was taken down from the cross. The whole thing is earthy and gritty. It is salvation for us and everyone in our shattered world that is anything but our natural definition of spiritual. In a world seeking solace, its own solace, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre makes exactly the opposite point, that God loves us so, he gets himself crucified to save us. He takes a body to take the lashes and the nails. He takes blood so that he can bleed out on the cross. He goes cold on a stone slab and he lies dead in the dark for three days. And this morning, the women who are so well prepared to find him there do not find him there at all. Instead, Jesus Christ is risen today, not just in spirit, but in body and in blood. And then he, it is he who seeks the seekers. It is he who finds the finders. And pulling them up into something new, he resurrects them, and then he uses them in his own service. When those women returned from the tomb, they spoke his words like angels. As his dazzling viva vox, the living voice of Jesus, poured out from their memories. 
Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. It was a job well done by those women in perfect obedience to their risen Lord. Even though nobody believed them except St. Peter. Peter had spent his life searching, searching for the Messiah. But so often Peter was spiritual in the worst sense of the word. Jesus himself got so tired of it that he once told Peter that he walked and talked like an evil spirit. Get thee behind me, Satan. And just last Thursday, Peter cut off a man's ear because he was still trying to prevent Jesus from going to the cross. But today, with a word from the angels, through these very faithful women, Peter rose up and ran to the tomb and stooped down and looked in and got dazzled and then he surrendered. And Jesus used him well too. In the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, near the tomb where Jesus rested in death, and from which he rose on the third day, this Easter day, the Orthodox have marked a spot on the floor called the Amphilos, the navel, the center of the world, and so the center of human history. This morning you and I are here because we are locked in orbit around that spot. Christ sought you, and Christ found you, and Christ resurrected you in your holy baptism. Christ forgives you, and Christ consoles you, and Christ nourishes you in this holy supper. Now your life is hid with God in Christ. But what of your family and your friends? who are not here this morning and who are still anxious and seeking, how could they be pulled into this glorious, earthy, gritty orbit as well? This is where Jesus uses each one of you best, just as he used the women and the angels. With your words and with your deeds of love, you beg them to surrender. You let the dazzling viva vox of Jesus, his living voice, pour out from your memory and into your actions. And you needn't be nervous or do more. The story of our risen Lord Jesus carries its own divine energy and effect. Listen to the angel's greeting. It is dazzling. It goes like this. In death, Jesus traded places with each one of you. He was forsaken by God, and you are embraced as God's beloved. In resurrection, Jesus broke death's grip on you. 
And then Jesus searched for you and found you, and in his company, you become fully alive. With him we live in breathtaking freedom, different from the world, sturdy and satisfied, and beyond the fear of death, and so beyond the need to hate or to hurt, surrendering to divine love, as we are swept up into the orbit around his resurrected body and resurrected blood. So Easter is our healing and our meaning and our total liberation from sin and death and everything contrary in this world. It is the hope of everyone else as well. And until all God's children are home again, For us, there is always the angel's work to do. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Amen.